the day. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. You're very welcome along to The Big Red Bench. My name is Rory O'Hagan. I'm here with you until 7 o'clock. We do have a packed show for you tonight. Coming up, we are going to get reaction from the Cork footballers and their loss to Meath today. We are also going to get reaction from the Cork ladies footballers and a draw against Waterford earlier on this afternoon. I'm going to talk to Eagle AC about their upcoming race, which is happening in Carrigaline in three weeks' time. And we have episode three of Hear Me Roar with Cork le- le- legend Valerie Mulcahy. That is coming up a little bit later on. Her guest tonight, Nikki Daly, Olympian, Irish hockey star, and uh, World Cup silver medalist. So it's a packed show coming around between now and 7 o'clock. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Absolutely incredible scenes here at the race course. Uh, Wrexham have gone 2-1 up on Sheffield United. Wrexham wore a goal down. Uh, They've just gotten two goals in the last 10 minutes. Uh, it's incredible stuff magic of the cup indeed 2-1 up the place is rocking 64 minutes on the clock a long way to go there yet um, but I've been keeping an eye out for Wrexham ever since I watched um, the Welcome to Wrexham documentary on Disney Plus which was very very entertaining uh, Ryan Reynolds in attendance today um, huge crowd huge atmosphere and they are 2-1 up and on the brink of a potential upset and as I said at uh, Sheffield United have just equalised and I have just jinxed them <laughs> Wrexham 2 Sheffield United 2 64 minutes on the clock there so much for that I was getting excited there wasn't I uh, we've a lot to get through over the course of today's show just going to wrap up briefly all today's uh, happenings uh, Cork losing out to me uh, me 314 Cork 19 points Kerry losing out to uh, Dundalk to, or to Donegal today in Bally Buffet Clare beating Louth elsewhere uh, Roscommon uh, beating Tyrone 3-11 uh, to 1-12 in the Little Ladies National Football League Cork and Waterford finished 2-9 apiece Katie Quirk with a uh, free there uh, in injury time to secure a draw for the Rebels Brighton have knocked the holders Liverpool out of the FA Cup in the fourth round coming from behind to beat the Merseysiders 2-1 scoring a 92nd minute win winner of um Big concern there is the injury picked up by Evan Ferguson. Um, Fabinho should have been sent off um, for the attack. He just went right down the Achilles of Ferguson after Ferguson had beaten him and was on his way. Um, it was nasty stuff from Fabinho. Should have seen red, only got a yellow. And uh, Ferguson had to limp off, so hopefully he's not uh, too badly uh, injured there. Elsewhere, uh, Stoke have beaten Steve Lynch 3-1 and as I mentioned, Wrexham 2, Sheffield United 2, 65 minutes on the clock there Novak Djokovic winning the Australian Open today to claim a record equaling 22nd Grand Slam title uh, he defeated Stefano Tsitsipas in three sets watched this this morning he was just on a different level completely he was just um, incredible performance from Novak Djokovic elsewhere Celtic have got nine points cleared at the top they've beaten Dundee United two goals to nil golf Roy McIlroy the man to catch at the Dubai Desert Classic the world number one on 15 under Paris three shots clear of the chasing pack an excellent uh, 65 today seven under for him so uh, that event will finish tomorrow because of weather delays over the last couple of days in Dubai and in the NFL, the conference championship games taking place this evening. In the NFC Championship, it's the Philadelphia Eagles against the San Francisco 49ers from 8. And in the AFC Championship, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals is 11.30 Irish time. Going to uh, go straight to uh, Porky Cueve to get reaction uh, from Cork's to be two meets today. Going to hear uh, from boss John Cleary speaking uh, to Dylan O'Connell. Well, John, back down to earth after last week's win over Limerick. How are you feeling? Actually, we, we were disappointed because we, I suppose we, we came to try and win today, obviously, and um, it was a home game, so we targeted it, but ultimately it didn't happen. Um, you know, we conceded probably three poor goals, and ultimately that was the difference in the end. Conceded 3-14, we scored 19 points, but, you know, conceding three goals is, is, is not going to be on at this level. Like, it must be quite disappointing, leading by two points at half-time into losing that matter. Like, what happened in the second half? I, I don't know. I, I, I think, actually, probably the second goal was a huge turning point. I thought we were in control of the game until that, and they turned us over, coming out of defence. And uh, it, it gave them huge belief, and, and it really knocked our lads for six. And then they tacked down a couple of points, and then kind of we went uh, up, you know, we, we, we attacked... Uh, 
probably too many players going forward and then they hit us for the goal and the break and, and ultimately that was it then you know like there's, there's a lot of small positives you can take from it like Stephen Sherlock and it, uh, finding 14 points ah uh, yeah look look, Stephen is a free taker and a lot of our lads were going in and, and they were fouled and, and Stephen did the business um, but look we're kind of not thinking about that at this particular moment you know there's a game we targeted that we thought we could win and ultimately we didn't so you know we, 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 we'll sit down now tonight and you know it's a case of, of getting ready for Kildare next week do you think this result puts you under pressure for the rest of the campaign well it probably does but look we you know they're all tough games and you can be sure look teams will take points off each other so you know it's first we've six to go so we've time enough to make it up if we're good enough yeah I suppose Kildare next week is a tough place to go to they pushed Dublin last week down to the final few seconds in Crow Park absolutely Kildare very hard uh, to beat in, in Newbridge but look all we can do is, 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 is get back on the horse again prepare as best we can and hopefully um, give, give a performance that you know We'll, we'll, we'll take us over the line next Sunday at least be positive by players coming back from the Sigerson over the next couple of weeks yeah without a doubt they have a tough week ahead of them now again Do you know they're playing Tuesday MTU and UCC and on, on, on Wednesday so you know it, 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 it's tough but look we knew this is the situation a lot of counties have this problem we probably have more than most on, on it but look we've got to deal with it and, and you know that'll be done and dusted in a couple of weeks and we'll move on from that so that's defeat uh, to Cork today uh, against Meath in their Alliance League opener uh, Cork ladies footballers the draw against Waterford today to get the story of the game before we hear from Shane Ronane here is Mr John McCarthy An injury time Katie Quirk-free ensured it finished honours even between Waterford and Cork in Sunday's Lidl LGFA National League Division 1 clash at Piltown in County Kilkenny It finished Waterford 2-9 Cork 2-9 In a game that Daisha led throughout a hugely competitive encounter played out in a very very heavy pitch disappointing in quality that prevented any chance of free-flowing football Waterford were full value for their 2-4-1-3 interval lead and were 2-9-2-8 ahead heading deep into injury time. That's when a new-look Cork senior team dug deep and then demonstrated admirable resolve to earn a draw from the jaws of defeat thanks to Katie Quirk's superbly converted leveller. A draw was a fair reflection on a game that would stand to both teams heading into the remaining rounds of the National League. The Dacia will attempt to register their first Division 1 win of 2023 at the expense of Mayo next Sunday. As for Cork, the visit of Mick Bowen's Dublin to Parky Ring should make for fascinating viewing and attract a sizeable attendance on Bank Holiday Monday. For Cork, Katie Quirk finished with five points, of which three were frees. Dara Coyley got a first-half goal and Eric O'Shea got a second-half goal to keep Cork level at 2-7 to 2-7. Heading into the closing stages, it looked like Waterford were set for victory when Emma Murray split the posts until Quirk's late-late equaliser six minutes into injury time earned Shane Run inside a share of the points. Emer Coyley kicked two points, Libby Coppinger and Emma Cleary added a point each for a new-look Cork team that will be hoping to kick on and remain undefeated after Dublin's visit to Parky Ring next Monday. For Cork Shred FM's Big Red Bench, I'm Jeremy McCarthy reporting from Piltone, County Kilkenny. OK, Shane Renane, a 2-9 to 2-9 draw. Injury time free from Katie Quirk earned you a point, but the overall positives from today's game, real gutsy performance from a very young team, didn't accept defeat and came back to get a point. Yeah, look, I suppose that's what we spoke about in the dressing room, Jordan. We, you know, we won a game last week playing some great football and um, today we showed battling qualities and I suppose you need, to, you need to have all those qualities and all those characteristics in the team if you're going to be successful. And look, things weren't going right for us today. Um, you know, players just weren't playing, I suppose, the way they had played last week. Um, you know, and I think they did respond in fairness. And like they dug out that draw, they were they were eight points down at one stage, got it back, to, got it, got it back to you know forward half time. I thought when we got level with ten minutes to go, we were going to kick on a bit. But I suppose looking fairness to Warford, they they went up the field and got went into the lead twice more. So look, look, they're a good team. They should have beaten Kerry last weekend. You know, I, you know, I watched that video a couple of times, and um, you know they played very well. They were very lucky not to win the game. So look, they're a good side down here. I don't know maybe conditions suit them a bit better than suits us but um, look where as you said the bat- those battling qualities are very important for any team uh, One of the things this team is going to have to deal with are different conditions as you said throughout the league campaign but today the pitch was incredibly heavy it's a poor pitch let's be honest about it a really poor pitch for a game of this magnitude first of all your, your just reaction to the way your team you know got, eventually got used to the conditions and responded but the pitch itself rendered any kind of free-flowing football there was no hope of that 
No, look, I, I suppose we all know those pitches are difficult to get at the time, but I, I, I don't believe this narrative that, that, that the game had to be played above Piltone and Kilkenny. You know, I, just, I just don't think that's good enough. And the actual condition of the pitch was very, very poor for a Division 1 game. Like, we're trying to promote this game. There's lots of, lots of great work being done, you know, with, within teams and within, you know, the media and, you know, the organisation. But it's just not good enough. And, and I just don't think, it, you know, I don't care about this narrative that you can't get pitches. But I just don't think it's good enough to have a, a senior league, a senior, a senior Division 1 league league game in a pitch that heavy when there was you know a you know, perfectly good pitch beside it and all weather uh, sorry sand based all weather pitch which was fantastic um, you know this thing about an enclosed pitch I don't think that was an enclosed pitch to be honest with you um, so look we're disappointed about that but look I suppose that at the end of the day that was the conditions for both teams so I'm delighted with the way our guards responded especially as you said a lot of young players out there you know energy sapping ground and they kept going to the very end and you know I'm delighted with that like, like Sir Rachel Leahy out there 18 years of age you know she played 65 minutes there you know fantastic stuff Derek and Ari as well just, just out of minor Aoife Healy you know lasted up till near the end um, Orla Callan came on for half today played very played very well like you know um, so look we're delighted with that um, with those battling qualities but I just think I do think it's not good enough and I don't buy the, buy the narrative that they couldn't get a pitch in Watford Looking ahead uh, Dublin coming to Cork on Bank Holiday Monday hopefully a big crowd is going to come out and support you for that because that's going to be a really really interesting game what are you looking for out of the National League because you're trying a lot of young players there's a lot of change there's a lot of, there's a lot of turnover in, in personnel and there's some players that still haven't come back yet so there's a lot of players to look at but like, what's the goal from your point of view and your management team looking at all these young players for this campaign yeah look it is it, it, ultimately our goal is I suppose to build as strong as possible playing squad for the summer that we know we can look down the bench and have that impact coming off the line uh, you know there was a, a, a that, that's that's the reality of it and I think today our bench was it was important again um, you know those fresh legs and I think we need that impact during during, um, during the summer especially in championship we didn't you know we supposed we've been disappointed at times last year with I suppose that impact that we didn't get off the line but I think we're, we're hoping to get it this year um, you know look at it's very tight to get to the league final you know you're probably to win five or six games you know uh, so that, that's going to be tight but look if we don't get the league final we're, you know, we're not overly worried about that as well there's going to be plenty more championship games but I think we're unearthing players uh, players are getting great experience those younger girls are now being exposed to you know really tough uh, tough adult football where you know there's no quarter asked or no quarter given and it, it's, it's a huge step up from, from minor level but I think they're responding very well there's a huge positivity in there inside the group uh, you know that we have a big squad here today other girls ready to come back um, so look in the Dublin game next week is you know it's going to be very interesting Dublin were well beaten by Galway today so they're going to be they're going to be smart enough to that Mick Bowen won't be happy with that so they're going to be coming into coming out down next week I suppose last year we played Dublin in the league and we would have been very disappointed with the way we played you know it was boring and embarrassing the way, you know, for everybody involved in the squad so look, we're hoping for a big performance nice crowd next you know it's, it's a new bank holiday you know people can shake off the you know the, the hangovers or whatever during you know come down and support the girls I think they deserve that um, you know and look we're in, a, we're in a top class facility next weekend in, in, in Parkering and you know fair play to Cork GA uh, for, for allowing us to use it because that's the, the proper setting for a, a national league game I had genuinely Genuinely forgotten next Monday was a bank holiday. That's after making my day. So thanks to Shane Rowley and Jordan McCarthy for that little pick me up. That tomorrow week is indeed a bank holiday. What a time to be alive. That's Shane Ronan speaking there after today's draw with water. We're speaking to John McCarthy, as we always call him, the hardest working person in the business, and he is back with the Women in Sport podcast this coming Thursday. Um, with another top class episode uh, so be sure and ch- check us out redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcast this coming Thursday 12 o'clock the Women in Sport podcast with the hardest working person in the business John McCarthy it is back this coming Thursday Sheffield United have had a man sent off Daniel Jebison sent off for appearing uh, to uh, kick out at um, Ben Tozer on the halfway line didn't look like there was a whole pile in it but the fourth official uh, seemed to think there was and he uh, told the referee that uh, Daniel Jebison uh, needed to be sent off so he has been Sheffield United down to 10 15 minutes there actually less than 15 14 minutes left to go Wrexham 2 Sheffield United 2 and that's been a proper cup tie uh, let's hear from Eric O'Shea back from Australia and in conversation with Ger. Uh Eric O'Shea it is fantastic to see you back in a Cork jersey you popped up with a goal today is this a new addition to the Arsenal for, for, for all the talents that you already have <laughs> I, I hope so but under Shane Ronan now as a manager he's really getting all the backs forward which is really good and like we're all getting a bit of few scores so it's nice to see um, big change from Australia the weather and the conditions but also the heavy pitch today it was hard going out there today for Cork yeah definitely but luckily for us the management kind of had us prepared for all conditions we trained in the best pitches the worst pitches so we had it all and we were ready for today so um, a tough game as well because Waterford Raw was tough nuts to crack as you well know from down through the years and that proved the same again today but Katie Quirk showed up late on there great free to level it and get you a deserved point 
Yeah, 100%. Katie, she is so composed and a lot of people would have crumbled in those kind of um, positions. So she took it and yeah, it's credit to us and credit to the management. So she's, yeah, she's outstanding. I can't say enough about her. Um, from your point of view, a lot of new faces in the squad right now, a lot of new players coming and going at the moment. So there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of turnover, a lot of change of people in the dressing room. So there's a lot going on. But at least Cork have not lost that ability to keep fighting, never giving up. And it showed today. I think that's a credit to the management too. They know what they're doing and it just shows today like we have the fight now as a team and yeah, the management just know what they're doing. They're bringing pace, they're bringing everything in and yeah, I'm just delighted to be a part of it all. It's a dream come true coming back. Yeah, it was lovely to come back because obviously it happened very quickly and like you're back home again and all mum and dad are delighted to have you back. But from your own point of view, like the the life that you've experienced over in Australia already, like it's fantastic for you and an opportunity to go back now as well. Yeah, no, like I'm so glad I did it. I was obviously very young growing over and to be honest, it grew me up a bit because I had to grow up because I had to mature a bit more. I was a child going out and I came home just physically stronger and a better athlete because of it. And yeah, I'm just so happy to be home and be with the girls again. It's like a big family and it's just so good to be back. Do you miss the Australian weather? I do miss the Australian weather. When I was leaving, I don't was, blame you. When I was leaving, it was 35 degrees, so it was hard to leave. Yeah. Okay, no, I feel bad. Uh, and just finally, from your own point of view, you're back, you're training, uh, you're in midfield as well, a new position, all action position for you. You seem to be settling into it, and there's a good few games to come now. Of course, the big one next one, of course, Dublin coming to Cork next Monday, so a lot to look forward to. Yeah, 100%. Dublin will be a good game for us, a good test, and yeah, I can't wait for it now, so bring on the dubs. Bring on the dubs indeed. That's Eric O'Shea there speaking to Jura after today's draw with Waterford. Women in Sport podcast back this coming Thursday at 12, redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're going to talk athletics. Iglesi hosting their annual Tommy Roy Memorial 5-mile race on Sunday, February 19th. It's been running since 1989, so that's 34 years, surely one of the oldest races in the calendar. Uh, in 1998, the name of the race was changed to the Tommy Roy Memorial Race in commemoration of club member Tommy, who had died in December of 1997. He'd been an Eagle member for nine years, a, a, a distance runner of some renown as well. And one of his best marathons, the 93 National Marathon in Clamell. Joe Murphy, Tommy Ryan, Dennis Hegarty all ran together and all finished within a few minutes of each other to win national silver medals for uh, Eagle there. Uh, I've been speaking to Eagle ACs, Rory Egan and Karen Bevan about the race, the route, Tommy and more. OK, the upcoming Tommy Ryan Memorial, the 34th running of the Tommy Ryan Memorial Carrigline 5 Mile Road Race is happening this uh, coming February 19th at 11am, hosted by our friends at Eagle AC. Delighted to be joined by Rory Egan and Karen Bevan from Eagle AC to talk to me about the race. Guys, thanks very much for joining us on the show, first off. Thanks, Rory. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Rory. Um, guys, tell us, um, I suppose um, we're, what, three weeks out from the race now at this point. Um, like, what's the preparation been like and how much work has gone in to getting the race ready? Well, we've been at it, Rory, since, since November um, with the, the simple jobs like getting the, the licence application, booking the hall and that. Um, the hard work then starts in, in January this month. So we've... we've 75% of it done I suppose at this stage all that's left next month really is the final preparations with the course um, and get as many volunteers as we can from the club down to, to man the course on the day for us so we're, we're nearly there we're happy with how it's going so far and Karen I suppose you, you've been running it for so long I'd imagine that I suppose things I suppose can kind of fall into place kind of quite easily but there's always those last few bits I suppose that are always the, the tricky bits that pop up closer to the race yeah, they're very, um, I mean, the club are brilliant. They're very well experienced um, stewards and um, setting out the course and everything like that. But yeah, we need, they're brilliant to turn out for us too and, and marshal the course on the day and do all the catering and everything else. So I suppose those are the things that are very people dependent, but mm. the procedural parts are, are there in part for a long time. Um. Rory, I have to ask, uh, can you talk to me about who Tommy Ryan is and why the race is named after him? Certainly, yes, it's very important. As you say, the, the race is called the, the Tommy Ryan Memorial. Tommy was one of our early Eagle members. He was a fantastic roadrunner himself and was well known on the Cork road racing circuit. Uh, I was speaking to his brother Michael yesterday. Michael, over the last couple of years, has become our official race starter, a great character, and he, he filled me in on some fantastic old Tommy stories from the, from the good old days. Uh, so we've been running it in Tommy's memory ever since, and it's great to have Michael involved and keep the family link. His, his brother Paul usually runs in the race, Tommy's younger brother Paul, and, and, uh, and we, we think uh, himself and Pat will be running this year as well. So it's nice to keep the family link, it's nice to remember Tommy, 
uh, one of the key early members of our club eagle. And Karen, um, part of the proceeds are going to, to two charities this year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so every year we, we work with um, the Caroline Meals and Wheels um, and Feroiga. So Caroline Meals and Wheels do great work and I suppose like everything else, they're under pressure for for funds to, mm-hmm. to do the work that they do. Um, and Feroiga this year, we, we're working with Feroiga Youth Division. So... Um, they're a division that work with young people who have presented with complex issues. So um, they are they kind of got in touch with us this part of Feroiga this year, and they they're looking to set up a small games space for for young people so they can provide like one to one interventions and both group interventions and um, have that premise of one good adult can make a change in a young person's life. So. We'll hopefully be going towards, I think, a pool table, wasn't it? Yes. In the community complex. Um, and it will be, um, you know, a place that people can go over the winter months rather than being out and about. And, um, you know, uh, having having people there that they can turn to if they need to as well. Yeah. Um, five miles is a nice distance to run. Rory, can you talk to us a little, uh, a little bit about the course? Certainly, yes, five miles is, is one of the classic great distances. It does something for everybody, really, in a five-miler, whether you're targeting it flat out as a serious racer or, or, or just want to do it at your own pace, five miles is, is a great distance to run anyhow. The course is, is well settled uh, uh, after all these years. We start in the Watermark Estate in, in Cardine, and we're very grateful every year to the residents for the patients with us taking over the estate for a couple of hours. We do try and, and, and take care of it and leave it in the condition we find it. But we start with a nice downhill wide start out to the gates of the Water Park Estate. So it's nice and fast starting out. And we turn left onto the Curbini Road and head out there. It's a nice, uh, relatively flat uh, road out as far as the, the Coolmore Estate, where we see mile two. We turn left then into the first sort of serious hill of the course, which is a half-mile hill up there heading towards Chambali, towards the grotto there, the way to Chambali. But each part of the course where we have a hill, we, we, we tend to have a downhill to follow. So we, we have a, a gradual downhill towards the roundabout there in the middle of Chambali, and we're turning left onto the main cork to a skiddy road. Uh, that's where we, we will marshal people into the hard shoulder, and we have a lovely downhill as we're heading back towards towards Cargilline. Uh, as we get towards maybe the bottom of Raffine Hill there would be on our right, we're going to turn left off the main road onto a nice quiet country back road. Another little pull up there where you'd want to just be a little bit careful, keep a bit for a bit of gas in the tank for, towards the end. Um, making our way along that, that back road, we, we hit mile four and we turn right back into the back of the Watermark Estate again where we hit a nice downhill, smooth, wide surface and a very quick finish. We're downhill for well over the last half a mile. So it makes for some great racing if, if we guys race with each other and a very quick, good finish for everybody. That sounds absolutely cracking. We're really looking forward to running in it. Um, Karen, last year you had some very big names running in Michael Harty won it last year. Emma Murphy won the women's race. Uh, my own club, Watergrass Hill, uh, did very well in the, the women's category as well. They won the, the team prize, I think. Um, can you talk to us about, I suppose, some of the, the, the names that will be participating this year and uh, who you're hoping will be there in the day? Um, well, we have Rory O'Higgin, I believe, running today is one of our, <laughs> our big names. Not sure what you thought while I do is running, but... <laughs> um, we, um, the names are coming in slowly, where usually we get the, the fast guys entering towards the, the end of Sunday week, so, yeah. so Michael has told us that he has a bit of an injury, but if he can at all, he'll be back to defend his title. Um, so other than that, I think we're getting, we're getting... Um, yeah, we're getting trickles of entries at the moment and we're hoping it'll pick up a good bit there now over the next three weeks. Mm, yeah, they always pick up closer to the, the, the close-off point. All right, yeah. And Rory, if people want to enter, um, it's uh, on Eventmaster, I believe, isn't it? It's on Eventmaster this year, yeah. Eventmaster will be hosting most of the races, so if you hop onto eventmaster.ie and have a look under road races or, or search for Caroline, you'll, you'll find us there. Um, uh, it's 15 euro same as it has been for quite a while 15 euro entry this year Athletics Ireland have a supplement of another 2 euro for people who aren't members of Athletics Ireland uh, registered clubs so that'll bring it up to 17 
we have an, op an option then with uh, my run results or timing company to post out your number in advance for an additional charge but of course you can put up on the morning for, for free there won't be any entries on the morning or the entries will close approximately a week out so if you're going to enter get, get, get on the move over the next couple of weeks we have plenty of advertising on our club social medias we're running weekly competitions at the moment for free entries so if people hop on to our Facebook or our Instagram accounts you'll see what's going on there or we can be emailed at any stage or at eagleraces at gmail.com um, guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, event, uh, and eventmaster.ie if you want to sign up for the race happening the 19th of February uh, at 11am, the Carrigline 5 Mile Road Race, the Tommy Ryan Memorial. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Looking forward to running in it, and I'll see you in the morning. Great, thanks Rory. Thanks Rory. Yeah, thanks to Rory and Karen there from Eagle He's talking to us about the Tommy Ryan Memorial, which is happening on February 19th. Cannot wait for that race. Rex, we've gone 3-2 up, Super Paul Mullen. I'm excited. I feel like I've followed the team after watching the documentary. Uh, we're back next with uh, Hear Me Roar, episode 3 with Valerie Mulcahy and her guest, Nikki Daly. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. It's the final weekend of the Harvey Norman Big Sale with deals across our massive range of technology like the Huawei MateBook D16 laptop with an Intel Core i5 processor and a stunning 16-inch screen that filters out blue light and displays vibrant colours only 979 or get the stylish Huawei FreeBuds Pro 2 noise-cancelling earbuds for an ultimate listening experience only 179 Get our best prices guaranteed in-store and online so why shop anywhere else? The Harvey Norman Big Sale must end Monday don't miss out. When shopping, the food you choose with the Board B Equality Mark tells a bigger story. By buying a succulent chicken or barbecued pork chops and dry cure bacon, you allow producers to do what they do best. Seasonal vegetables ensures that growers keep producing them to the highest Board B Equality standards. Fresh eggs means farmers source quality feed so you get the best eggs. Your food choices have power. Keep quality assured food producers in business. Always choose the board be a quality mark. Deliveroo presents Decision Time. With 10 euro off your first order, how will you choose? Let dreamy noodles slip and slurp into mm. your thoughts. But you hear pizza's cheesy strings playing on your mind. Oh, but now you're caught between two burger buns. You want everything. So what's it to be? Use code 10 Ireland for 10 euro off your first delivery. Deliveroo. Food. We get it. Feasties and C's geographical restrictions apply. New customers only. Minimum order 15 euro. Excludes 18 plus products. Ends February 26, 23. See Deliveroo.ie for details. Me? Yes. There aren't many jobs out there where you can be seen and heard. Whatever your background, you can be in the foreground with the National Ambulance Service, taking a lead role in your community and helping save lives. We have a range of opportunities, including roles as qualified and student paramedics. And we've a diverse and welcoming team who will make you feel at home. To find out more, visit hsc.ie forward slash jobs and search ambulance. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Now there's seven minutes added on there at the end of that FA Cup tie. Wrexham 3, Sheffield United 2. It's been an absolute cracker. Episode 3 of Hear Me Roar with Cork legend Valerie Mulcahy, the 10-time All-Ireland winner turning host and talking to six incredible athletes. Uh, we've already had Louise Shanahan uh, and we've had uh, Lisa Maguire. Today it's the turn of Irish hockey uh, Olympian, World Cup silver medalist and uh, incredible hockey star Nikki Daly in conversation with Valerie. Episode 3 of Hear Me Roar. What makes sportswomen tick? What motivates us? What inspires us? Who is the person behind the athlete? My name is Valerie Mulcahy. I'm a 10-time All-Ireland winner with Cork and a six-time All-Star. Now I'm turning host and talking to some of Cork's greatest sports stars or those who have a strong connection with Cork. In this series, I'm speaking to six inspiring athletes to find out their answers to these questions. This is Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. I got the of the tiger of fire dancing with fire cause I am a champion you're gonna hear me roar louder louder than a lion cause I am a champion you're gonna
My guest today is an Olympian, a World Cup finalist with the Irish women's hockey team, and is now competing at a brand new sport in the form of electric scooter racing. Hi, I'm Nikki Daly. I'm on Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. On today's episode, I speak to Nikki about the Irish hockey team, that incredible World Cup run, becoming an Olympian, and more. But first, I spoke to her about her introduction to hockey and having to make a difficult choice between hockey and Gaelic football. I got into hockey when I started secondary school. Um, it was a, definitely a new sport. I'd never come across it before until I went to secondary school and quite honestly, I was quite reluctant to play it because uh, it's a bit like yourself. I was mad into the ga and um, that was sort of the sport that I felt most comfortable with and it was the first sport I got to play in, in a team sport in. So um, I got introduced to hockey purely because it was sort of the main sport in the school that I went to. Uh, but you know, got over the, the reluctancy of it and uh, started to really like it, found it quite challenging. And I think that's probably why I, I wanted to kind of stick with it in the end. Was there something about going into the uniform shop and being introduced to something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember the day my mom brought me into the uniform shop and um, already didn't want to get the uniform because I just didn't want to go to this school <laughs> at the time. But... um. There was a big box of like sticks in the corner and just before we were about to leave, she spotted them and was like, oh, by the way, you'll need one of these and whipped one of them out. And I was like, what is it? I've never seen anything like it before. I thought it was like a hurl or meant to be a hurl. I was like, that is definitely wrong. Like there's something wrong with that. And um, she's like, oh, no, no, this is a hockey stick. Like you'll need this. And I was like, what's what for what? Like and she's like, oh, for, you're going to play hockey when you go to high school. And I was like, I've never heard of hockey. And she was like, I'll, I'll, when we get home, I'll show you how to play it. And so she gave me the stick anyway and put a ball down in front of me. And she showed me how to play it. But when I took up the stick to try and do what she had done, I started to use it like an ice hockey stick using both sides of it. And she's like, no, 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 no. You can only use one side of the stick. And I just, this just was like, this is so stupid. Like, and I just threw the stick away and I was like, I'm not playing it. That's such a stupid game. You can only use one side of the stick. Um, but that was the challenge, I suppose, trying to just control this little ball with just one side of the stick. Um, and yeah, turned out to be the sport I chose. So you spoke earlier when you were in primary school playing football or you weren't used to hockey. How... Did you have to make a choice? Was there a time in your life where you decided had to make a decision? Yeah, and it was tough because I had just kind of gone back to playing Gaelic football at a bit of a high level. Um, what level? <laughs> I was playing on the, uh, just called, got called into the Dublin Senior Ladies team um, and was sort of there, not for very long, but I was training with them, played a bit of the National League with them in 2009 and it was the same year that I got called into the Irish women's hockey team. So it was tough because I was actually really enjoying playing the football and I just got like kind of introduced to now this new level of, of playing Irish hockey um, and didn't really think, you know, I'd have to make a decision, but it, it came down to it that actually the training load was just too much and, you know, the team one team wanted you for this competition and another team wanted you for this competition. So just came to a point where I had to sit down and speak to both coaches and I just remember the conversation with the Irish coach and all I remember from the conversation was my name and the Olympics in the same word, in the same sentence. And that was it. I was like, "There's I did, that was me. That, that was everything. <laughs> so much happened in that conversation because one, I didn't even know hockey was an Olympic sport. So that was like, I had to go and just process that for a moment. But then also the fact that he was putting my name in the same sentences as in this team could go to the Olympics and you could be part of it was like a whole different. Yeah, it was like a dream just started there and then and, and that was became my focus. Many Olympians will tell you that it was always their dream to compete at the Games from a young age. However, for Nikki, this dream didn't start until later in life. We had a previous guest on and she said at the age of nine, she wants to be an Olympian. Did well, you have that draw to be in the Olympics or do you have any memory of going, God, I, I think I'll aspire to be that? Yeah, I, 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 like from a young age, I never had the Olympic dream. I didn't, I never, I suppose I never believed I could be an Olympian from a young age. But 
like I I played everything like sport wasn't really sort of put on me as, from a young age you know my family didn't really push me into anything or I don't think they really had any real aspirations for me to become you know a high level athlete in, in any sport I think they just wanted me to be active and to play sport because you know they they got so much joy out of it but um so I didn't have that real you know oh I want to be an Olympian from a very young age it was something that only really came into my life when I was 21 when I you know started playing on the Irish hockey team and realized that hockey was an Olympic sport and there was an opportunity there that if I could make the team there's always a chance that you could make the Olympics so um yeah it's it's a funny one like I suppose when I was younger all I wanted to do was be a racing driver and at that it was never about being a Formula One driver or a professional it was just I just want to be a racing driver like my uncle and my dad um but yeah it's funny how things turn out now that dream took a long time to become a reality you know tell, tell us about those hard moments in your life or, or the struggles of trying to get to the Olympics as a team yeah I think I, I suppose I was probably a bit naive to think you know I was going to just make this decision go play hockey and go to go to an Olympics like the next year or two years later or whenever it was um, but it was it was not the case at all in fact you know it took 12 years to to actually get to an Olympic Games and it took you know that was the first time ever that the Irish women's hockey team had even been in an Olympic so it had never been done before so again I didn't know any of this information at the start um, but it was it was hard like you know you're always trying to compete with teams that have maybe been established in the sport for a lot longer than we were um, we we're very much amateur and like it still is an amateur sport but you know the I suppose the program that we can put in place now and uh, the level of the training and the level of, I suppose, the contact time that you get now is much higher than it would have been. But you're still always trying to compete with nations who have professional setups, who have, you know, full-time programs in place. So we were always trying to compete against that and it was always quite hard because it wasn't that we didn't have the players to play at that level or at that standard. It was just we needed more time together and we needed more games against you know, good opposition. And so we were just always playing catch up to, you know, the likes of even Great Britain who are so close to us on the map. But also like, you know, they only just entered a um, a sort of a centralisation full-time programme probably around just before 2012. And like to see where they've gone from that Olympics all the way to now with their full-time programme is phenomenal. Like they've three... Olympic medals in those last three Olympics. So from investment, do you believe? Yeah, from from the the level of investment that they've had, and just recognizing that, like you know, if if they they have the the quality of the players there, they can compete on the world stage. Then why not put a program in place to support them? And it's very evident to see how much they've you know uh, got from that over the last like twelve fifteen years. So so that was that was always a struggle for us to try and you know match what other nations were doing and every time you went to compete against them like it was just so hard to 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 be anywhere near that level even just from a physical point of view do you know what I mean they were just so much fitter stronger faster um and then you know we we gave it everything we we had I suppose and um I think the closest we got and probably the most disappointing um you know time in in the last 12 years is probably the the Rio Olympics when we lost on sudden death penalties and we had played some of our best hockey in that tournament and we topped our pool you know we'd beaten South Africa we'd beaten USA we'd beaten teams who were ranked ahead of us who who had been you know had a lot of investment behind them and had these sort of semi-professional programs in place so that was really hard to take it was really hard to think God, how can we get any better? Like that was everything that we had. We we committed yeah. everything. People had taken time off work. They'd changed their, you know, their schedules to suit this sort of program that we'd put in place. Um, it was very hard to see how we'd be able to sustain and maintain that. But you know, I think it it when you get so close to something and you you see how much you've how far you've gone, it does spur you on. Like you, there is an additional motivation there to go. We can't leave it here. Like yeah. you know, we just put so much in yeah we put so much in we just point to no return like got to get it over the line so it was um, yeah and like look we got rewarded I suppose with the 2018 World Cup and and then finally the Olympics in 2019 
being in the Olympics. I know it was altered in terms of, you know, fan, fans not being able to attend. But did you still relish that experience? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was for our sport, like that is the pinnacle. So that was always the goal. Like I said, you know, when I realised Olympics could be something that I could be involved in, that became the dream. So, you know, it doesn't matter in what capacity you're going there in, like COVID, non-COVID, it was always going to be a special occasion. Um, and just even to be picked and be part of the team was was really, really special. Well, um, you, had a, you had a challenge in that because the delay... I know you're young, but you're the oldest on the team. I don't mean to do that. But like, yeah, thanks for de- bringing that up. The delay with COVID, like, was there a time where you thought, I'm not going to get to achieve this? Yeah, I honestly was like, you know, 12 years was long enough to wait. And then all of a sudden they were adding an extra year. And um, it was, yeah, it was hard. It was hard because, you know, you were so stop start with the training and, and COVID really impacted on that and what you could get out of your training and you were training from home. And, you know, it's hockey is a very demanding sport and like it's very like high intensity so if you're not getting that high intensity training all the time it's very hard for your body to stay at the right place all you know all the time and the older that you are even harder it is so I had a little bit of an injury as well with my knee and that kind of set me back so it was all just happening really close to the time of the Olympics and yeah there was you know I think I was out of the team for longer than I was in it um, like in terms of being selected I think it was only very much at the very end where I had an opportunity to, to try and prove myself that I I just did enough to, to get there so it was it was it was really it was it was really difficult because you'd spent all this time trying to get to this dream you know you'd qualified but it didn't mean to say you were on the flight yourself going um, and so it did feel like you know it was starting to slip away a little bit but I'm just glad that I, I could do enough and and yeah was there a highlight when you were in Tokyo was there something that stood out I mean you you essentially left on the biggest stage with a perfectly numbered 200 cap you know like it kind of all worked out in the end did it yeah I think that I I, honestly every I, I tried to be so I suppose present as they say like you know you can go through a lot of your career and it can just pass you by and you know you're always just waiting to get to the next thing and and I really made a a conscious effort like going to the Olympics to to really like take it all in and and be as sort of present because I knew that this was going to be the last tournament for me I knew this was going to be it um also it's the Olympics you know I knew I was never going to be here again in, in any sport so I was like you know just wanted to kind of take it all in and not put too much pressure on you know, the result or, or on myself. But I think, the yeah, probably the highlight was the last game, as emotional as it was, you know, 200 caps, um, you know, with the girls that I'd been playing with. Some of them I've been playing with for the last 12 years. Um, and I knew some of them were also going to retire as well. So uh, I think that was sort of special to be able to do that and to do it in your on your own terms is 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 kind of, I suppose, what everyone wants, you know. And in terms of hockey highlights, what would have been your highlight? Like for me, I think being at that match where you qualified against Canada and it was absolutely lashing up in Donnybrook Stadium. You know, you putting yourself out there, putting yourself under that immense pressure to take a penalty. You know, talk me through that actually because that's an unbelievable feast to, to help your team get there I think it's I feel like watching it has sparked the the change in that penalty shootout Yeah I mean like the, the shootouts are not pleasant at all I mean Well for spectators they're, they're amazing because yeah, they changed spectators. it um, and they, they certainly make it really exciting definitely but as a player like you can never be prepared for it like it's you know, you you can prepare yourself, and and I had prepared. I remember we had a meeting, um, sort of a, the day before, uh, with the the goalie coach Nidge, just to kind of go through like what their keeper does, and particularly in shootouts. So you do like look at these things. It's not just step up and go. Geez, I hope this goes in. Well, you do do that as well, <laughs> but you know you have some sort of idea of of what you're going to do, and. You know, I kind of in my head said, look, if I get asked to take one, because there was eight of us and only five were going to be picked to, to take one. So, And was that down to the manager he'd going to pick on the day? He was going to pick on the day, yeah. Okay. 
Now, I had had like not a great time with shootouts because the last time I did a shootout was in the World Cup and I missed. So, the, but there was part of me that was like, you know, you want to sort of redeem that and not leave that. that Ghost. Yeah, or like have this sort of mental sort of block, know, like. block with, with shootouts. So I did practice them like quite a bit on, on the lead up to the to the Olympics and stuff um, or to the Olympic qualifier. And I'd done my prep. I knew what I was going to do. Showed it to Nidge and he just said, look, that's a really good, you know. Describe thing. it. So <laughs> you have to start at the halfway line, don't you? You have to start at the halfway. Eight seconds. No, not the halfway line, 25, the 25 yard line. You've got eight seconds to take the keeper on and, and score. So you can do, you can, it's pretty much a free for all. Like you can throw it up on your stick like a camogie and smash it as hard as you can but the problem is is that the keeper will normally come out and close the angle so it's very hard to make that happen you kind of need to make the keeper move and beat them in order to you know make make it a, a real clear cut uh, shot so my my plan was to you know take draw the keeper out a little bit slow down and then quickly move the ball left to right and then just kind of slip it past so that's, Fake that like. was sort of my 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 thing to do all the time. Anyways, left right drag and 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 um and make the keeper move and then just slot it past her. But I showed this to Nidge and he uh, he said, "Look, this will work, but you just need to take it a bit wider past the keeper. Like you need to make her move a little bit more." And so, you know, honestly, I didn't think I was going to get asked to take one. I just didn't see myself in that position. I didn't see the coach ever picking me to take one. Why do you think he did? I don't know why you did. Honestly, I'm not sure. Did you have a good game? Um, I don't know. Like, was was only okay. I, d- I don't think I... We didn't score, so like... Yeah. I don't know if anyone really had a good game. It was such terrible weather, you know. I don't know why, why he picked me, but, you know, I had my shin guards off, my gum shield out. <laughs> to me, the game was finished for my part in the yeah. game, like, and, and he just came up behind me and was like, you ready? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, not one bit ready. I need to put my shin guards back on, put my gum shield back in. And um, and I just tried to, you know, say, OK, just stick to what you're, you know, stick to what you're doing. Like, just focus on timing of, you know, slowing the keeper down, moving the ball left to right. And look, it, I took the ball so wide, I think I ended up on the baseline, but somehow managed to get get the ball in the back of the net and I just remember I think I fell on my knees or something and by the time I got back up I felt like my legs were just going to literally collapse from under me like it was just it was such a feeling of relief yeah but also like there was this nervousness like there as well it was very intense yeah I actually was in the stand and your mom had gone to the bathroom came back and was like oh at least now you know Nikki won't be involved in the penalty <laughs> shootout and I had to say actually Carvel uh, she is <laughs> so there's that terror like for my family I think some of them watched, didn't watch it they put their hands in the oh it was awful it was awful and then like you know we went to a sudden death on that and I was like oh my god am I going to have to take another one and then thankfully uh, Roisin scored the winner and, and I didn't have to go to another one because I was like I don't know if I can do this again honestly it drained every ounce of energy from my body and can you remember that feeling of knowing we've actually made it? I know now you're saying you're not you're not necessarily on the that plane, but you know the team we've actually achieved it. We were going there yeah. before COVID hit and before you were thought maybe it's not going to happen. But just just the emotion after that night, like I mean, you know, I remember just like every time I saw Shirley or saw one of the girls that I knew you know how much this means, you know, like this, you, I, I know that you know and you know that I know how what much this been. means and, and how long it's taken us to get there and like me and Shirley were roommates and we're, you know, the two old fogies on the team, <laughs> like the two grannies and we were just, you know, we were so alike in in where we were and what we were trying to do and how tough it was on us to, to keep going and, and to get there and so like when I saw her and you know, we we were in roommates that night and everything, and we celebrated and 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 the, and for the whole team, like it was just incredible. You know, like everyone had played their part, and it wasn't just that team; it was everyone who had gone before that as well and helped to, you know, to shape the team as you go. And that's all you can do. You know, at the end of the day, you hope that the next people that come along will will take what you've learned and take what you've done for the team and just move it forward Brilliant, again like yeah. so in 2018 Ireland shocked the hockey world by reaching the World Cup final in London 
ultimately losing out in the decider to the Netherlands. For a nation watching on, it was an incredible journey as a group of part-time amateur athletes got all the way to the final on the world's biggest stage. However, for Nikki and her teammates, it was the culmination of years of hard work with a little help from Mariah Carey on the way. So yeah, like two cycles of not getting into the Olympics and then was the World Cup a bit of a surprise or how would you have regarded that? I think the the overall result was a surprise. Like to medal was definitely a surprise. But I think, you know, to get into the knockout stages wasn't really a surprise for us because I think we knew we'd been knocking on the door for a while with sort of teams ranked ahead of us and we'd been... You know, we'd we'd beaten the likes of Germany, we'd beaten USA, we'd beaten these teams, like even GB in some practice games, we'd beaten them in. So we knew we could, but it didn't matter if you did it sort of in a practice game or a friendly tournament or, you know, um, these kind of things or a test match. We had to do it when it came to, you know, the big occasion. And we'd never been in a big occasion before. Like for this team, it was the first time any of us had played in in a, you know, a, a world cup or played on the world stage so I think the fact that we knew that we were capable of it we had you know we'd progressed so much as a team during those sort of practice matches behind the scenes nobody knew who we were like we weren't really on anyone's radar but we we knew ourselves the progression that we had made and I think just the fact that there was absolutely no expectation on us there was no pressure on us we didn't put pressure on ourselves but we had a you know we had set targets and goals for ourselves and getting out of the group was was one of our main goals like and we were very confident we could do that so um you know everything else after that was a bonus but I suppose like it's in tournament situations it's all about momentum if you get yeah. that momentum going it can take you anywhere and I think you know the other teams were kind of going what's going on here like the Irish hockey team are kind of taking all the glory here even though they're, they've only just got out of the group but it, it made everyone stop and kind of say What's going on? Like this is the second yeah. lowest ranked team. They should be on the the flight home. Like, well, I think um, singing Mariah Carey as well probably got caught their attention. Yeah, I'd say they. I, well, whatever about the other teams in the tournament, I'd say the the people walking past us every morning doing our stretching in the middle of London City, going to work, were probably like, "What are these girls on?" Like, you know, singing Mariah Carey "All I Want for Christmas" at eight o'clock in the morning in the middle of July was. <laughs> probably not what they expected to hear but again that was sort of I suppose that sort of it, that gives you an idea of the sense that was in the team like Spirit. we had you know young people on the team who it, it didn't matter if you were young or old like none of us had ever been there we'd never been to a World Cup but especially for the young ones so early in their career to be able to be on the world stage you know the first thing that a couple of them said was it feels like Christmas like and that was where it it came from, you know, waking uh, up on the first morning of our first match felt like it was Christmas. It was like so exciting. We didn't know what was going to happen, what to expect. Um, and that's kind of where it came from. And it just grew legs from there. So instead of Santa arriving, the World Cup had arrived. Yeah, that's well, nice. silver medal at least. <laughs> did you have any, get any nugget of advice or did anything have a lasting impression on you that someone else said to you like a piece of advice whether this be in life or in your sporting endeavours yeah it was something that I said earlier on it was something that my uncle Derek actually said to me it was it was like around the time when I was like starting to maybe play competitive sports so maybe like 18 19 um with like you know I was playing underage with Ireland under 18 in hockey and I was playing Dublin senior B or something at the time and to me, like I was like, oh, it's great. Like I'm playing this and playing that or whatever. And and he was like, and so what's what's the plan after that? And like, you know, where are you going to go with this? And I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know. Like I'm just, I just go every week. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't long know. Yeah, no goal. real like long term plan here. Um, but he 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 brought it back to like, you know, well, if you want something to happen, you know, if you want to to make it to the team or to you know wherever it is you know on the Irish team he was like you need to you know if you want it badly enough it'll happen like and that was something that always stuck with me like I always felt it always brought me back I'm I'm not doing enough here I'm not doing enough like I'm not working hard enough in the gym or I'm not didn't train hard enough this day it was always that always stayed in my head like do you want this enough like do you want this and like how badly do you want it and that just always stuck with me and I always 
it's it's something that you can see clearly now in in other athletes like it's always the first question I try and ask myself about them like how badly do they want and you can see it like you can see the ones that really really want it they, you can see the ones that are just like I'll just rely on my talent sure that'll yeah. get me that'll be enough you know yeah so I, I think that was something that really stuck with me you know like maybe I was one of these kids that relied on my talent all yeah. the way up and then his that was a moment where he just kind of was like well how badly do you want it because it's not just going to happen for you yeah. you know and in terms of legacy, what would you like your legacy to be? I think just that I I worked hard for like whatever I got and it didn't come easy and um and that I did sort of change my mentality around you know how I was going to make it. Um but yeah, just I think that I I worked hard and I, and I did want it enough and hopefully that can maybe inspire others to do the same who knows do you have a question for me who's better at golf <laughs> so that's your question um, <laughs> I guess you are I know I, I actually would like to ask you the same question of um, if you were a young girl again now what? I've already oh you've already answered sorry well, what what just like would you have chosen a different path No, thankfully I can say that I am very grateful for the joy and excitement and friendships that I've gained from playing with, you know, Rockbone and with Cork. And I'm a very proud Cork person, so delighted to have been able to put on that jersey for so long. Would I have liked to have played to be playing now like in an environment where they're better looked after yes but I think I can kind of be content in the fact that I you know made a few small changes with the GPA and WGPA to to ensure that was going to happen so um, I'm grateful and thankful that I played GA but had I not I would yeah definitely have liked to have played like soccer for as a professional but I think at the time I wouldn't have been able to make much money like I think it's only now they are No sorry I'm, but I mean though like if you were the person in, in the current environment so yeah. not not going back and All making right. a different decision based Not knowing on, what's coming No like if you were if you were a young girl today yeah, and you had the option to play on the Irish women's soccer team and go to a World Cup or you had to make a choice now you're you're 15 like you're 15 yeah. 16 but you've been called into the Irish team and you've been called into the Cork team you were saying you would still go and play with Cork <laughs> that's a tough question sorry that was um, the question I meant like yeah, if you were okay. a young girl now you know Ooh, would you still well, choose the same path it depends if I had your thinking and going oh yeah yeah we're going to get to the World Cup and over you know I'm going to be on the team and Key player. But sure, you didn't know at the time when you played for yeah. Cork that you were going to win 10 All-Irelands. Yeah, I better answer this question. Oh, pardon me, maybe because it's so current and the women have gotten to to the World Cup and we know that I'm playing a bit of five-a-side soccer, that love for soccer has kind of come back. So, oh, that would be a tough one. I think probably because I could go pro on that in that sport, maybe. Uh, yeah. There you go. But, uh, you know. Yeah, but isn't it like, it's it's amazing to think like what what could have been for so many and for so many women who've come before us, like who were unbelievable athletes and maybe didn't get to have that opportunity to, you know, to make the most of it. Well, thanks, Nikki. It's been a pleasure and thank you for sharing your thoughts and your journey with us no problem thanks for having me Val and I look forward to you buying me dinner later <laughs> a huge thanks to Nikki Daly for popping by and chatting with me and yes I did buy her dinner later my guest next week on Hear Me Roar is a world and European gold medal winner Cork's own Sanita Paspore and then I feel like it was too far gone and I was scraping the barrel for the whole winter and 
um, try to kind of do my best and even in the interviews like you know before Olympics I was the medal favorite and stuff and it was so hard to pack it all away and not to tell them no I'm not anymore I'm fighting here to actually try to keep my performance yeah. in a decent level like I'm I was so bad like all the other girls were they performance were escalating mine was going yeah. right down Hear Me Roar was presented by me Valor Mackay and produced and edited by Rory O'Hagan for Cork's Red FM Music was by the wonderful Jack O'Rourke. Thanks to my friends at mygames.ie who created a beautiful memento for each of my special guests. Gorev Magot as Clusa Hurt Domanov, Agus Beg Me Kaint Liv Galua. Slán. <laughs>